uh, like we say, uh, we're still talking about folk Islam. My name is Tony Weeder. Welcome back. As Islam enters other parts of the world, uh, it compromised with animistic beliefs, especially as it was spread by holy men and karamad uh, or miracle workers in, in Dhaka synagogue according to the Marabouts. The Marabouts divided between two Muslim brotherhoods in this place, uh, in Senegal, the Tijanins and the, um, what's the other group name? Yeah, the Tijanins, they have divided and that Muslim brotherhood today, they, they are the one, they are the one that are extremely, extremely promoting these things in terms of all the spirit worship that I just talked about. Not just holy men or holy, uh, or holy workers, but when these men die, their baraka or blessing power, uh, when these men die, their blessing power continue to be believed, passed on from tombs to tombs, be it in Ethiopia, Somalia, Sudan, Nigeria, Islam usually embraces, now let me say this slowly, Islam usually embraces the culture whereas Christianity confronts it with the claims of Christ. And as Muslims move around, be it West Africa, be it East Africa, Central Africa, Asia, the Middle East, North Africa, uh, Central America, and Latin America, these practices of seeking baraka or uh, protection or blessing from these people have been spread along the way. Okay, with baraka, the baraka I, I was talking about here, uh, it is really huge. That's, uh, let me come a little bit on that. Uh, in that everybody wants baraka or blessing. Uh, this is why the, the charismatic movement or the wealth gospel in Africa is spreading so fast uh, in terms of, again, blessing. Everybody want get, you know, to receive blessings, be it from the unknown spirit world or, quote unquote, from God. And Muslims have, have used that to spread their faith in Africa in terms of tombs worship. Like I said, some of those pictures uh, we will see later on in the lesson, be it in Ethiopia, Somalia, Sudan, Nigeria. Uh, I want to repeat this phrase because it's very important, is that Islam embraces the culture. Islam does, does not confront the culture to change, it embraces it. We have poor and powerless Muslim people groups like other poor and powerless people around the world, seek for baraka, blessing, healing, and power to deal with life's problems in religion, Guinea, Sierra Leone, uh, Togo, Niger, and Mali. These are very specific countries. In fact, in Liberia, when we went through the Civil War, young men would wear charms, or what we call voodoo, or some call it juju, uh, believing that when they go fight um, during this war, uh, these bullets cannot kill them. Thousands of young men died because they believe uh, nonsense like that. And today, Christians, uh, I don't even want to talk about nominal Christianity because it is huge also in Africa or in part of uh, East Africa or North Africa. 
the Baraka. Differences in meaning between high, that would be orthodox, be it Kuwait, uh, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Egypt, they consider them themselves higher, higher than low Muslims or folk Islam. Uh, Muslim, in terms of worship, I don't know, you the, the chat can, is not coming out properly, but I'll just go ahead with that. Uh, the Shahada, uh, that is the creed, I believe that there's no God but Allah and his prophet Muhammad. When a folk Muslim says that, he's not saying it because he wants to pray to Allah or wants to pray to Muhammad. He used those words uh, to drive away evil. So he says that I believe that there's no God but Allah and his prophet Muhammad and uses the Arabic word Allahu al-Kubat, God is great. So when he uses it, he's using those words to wear off evil. And in that worldview, in the pantheon of African understanding, that every aspect of life is filled with the unknown spirit world. So before they even enter an empty building, they have to say a Quranic verse or phrase in order to wear out spirit. Or what they call Salat. Salat is the five times day prayer. And it uh, removes demonic pollution by washing. So instead of washing their hands to make it holy to face God, they are washing them because they've been polluted by the unknown spirit world. Um, Other wash their ears because they heard words that the infidel said and they don't want and they want to clean that out. For the animist or the folk Muslim, he's doing that because the spirits have entered his ears. He washes his eyes or face in order to protect himself from the unknown spirit world. He washes his feet because he steps in places where spirits or genes have stepped and he wants to clean himself of that. So again, we need to understand that in our witness as Christians, as missionaries, wherever we are. Not just the Shahada or the Salat, but the Zakah, the two and a half percent of giving, giving to the poor, arms, uh, giving arms. For the animist, it's a precaution against the evil eye. For many people in the West, it makes no sense when you talk about evil eye. Can your eye be evil? Oh yes, in the context of folk Muslims, yes. You have to protect yourself from evil eye. There are people who look at you with envy, with jealousy. And so you are very careful to be, not to go around those kinds of people, especially, especially pregnant women, stay away from the evil eye. In fact, today, even with Saudi Arabia, with all their Wahhabi practice of Islam, they also believe in the evil eye. Pakistan is the same way. Egypt is the same thing uh, in terms of the evil eye. Women are afraid of the evil eye. Men are afraid of the evil eye. In fact, in Ethiopia, there's a way that young men, they cut their hair in such a way that make them real ugly. Because when you are ugly, the spirit doesn't pay attention to you. Uh, I think I will fit in that perfectly well. Uh, I don't have to worry about that. The next thing we see is not just Zaka, but it's fasting, or what you call Ramadan. And for the folk Muslim, it's a ritual for dealing with evil and sickness. So when they are fasting, it's for healings. If when they are fasting, it's for protection. When they are fasting, it's to protect themselves from the evil one. When they are fasting, it is to bring blessing to their farms and what have you, to their cattle, that the cow will not get sick. 
For, so let me give you a quick example. Why in Somalia I experienced this? For a Somali man, when his wife is seriously sick, he, has, he doesn't care. The cattle, he will move. He will go, he will go anywhere. But when a sheep or goat is sick, everything stops. That's how they value everything. And because of that, they put all of that fasting to protection. Lastly, the Hajj or pilgrimage to Mecca. It is huge everywhere in Africa or in Asia or the Middle East. In fact, in Africa, especially West Africa, when a man or woman goes to Mecca on a pilgrimage and when that lady comes back, she's called Hajjah. She becomes well-respected, very powerful woman in the community. And as a man, when he comes by, he's called or referred to as Al-Haji. And we'll talk again about that. In fact, it is believed that when you go to Mecca and actually make it to the Zimzim River, the Zimzim River, let me give you a context of the Zimzim River. You almost have to go back to Genesis chapter 16 when Hagar is pregnant and uh, Ishmael is born. And when Ishmael is born, envy and jealousy breaks out between Sarah and Hagar. And Hagar is driven away. On her way back between um, uh, uh, where she left in Mecca, the child almost died. That is Ishmael. And then the angel of the law in Genesis 16 come to Hagar and provide a water for the child to drink so Ishmael would survive. And that's the river that the Muslims call today the Zimzim River. So when you fall within the Zimzim River, you are without sin according to Islam. And when you come back, you become the more powerful man or woman ever, ever, especially in the context of West Africa. Do you know that many of our politicians in Africa, especially West Africa, be it Nigeria, be it Senegal, be it Togo, be it Guinea-Bissau, and all these countries spread everywhere. Take, for example, the president of Gambia, uh, Yaya. Uh, his name is Yaya, meaning John the Baptist. Uh, these people, when they go and come back, you consider Al-Haji. These are leaders. Now, let me say this very, very slowly. Our presidents who've been to Princeton, Yale, Cambridge, Oxford, graduated from that, put down that education, walk in the darkness, go sit with a witch doctor, hear me out on this, sit with a witch doctor who cannot read and write, and that witch doctor tell this educated man or woman, go from here, get a five, six years old girl or boy, leave them alive, while they are living and breeding, harvest their organ, their major organ, and that will make you president of that country. And when you hear this for the first time, people that are from the West they say, ah, this is 2011. Yes, this is 2011. And it is happening today in many, many African countries, including mine, where politicians are still making human sacrifices. Four months ago, five months ago, I was in Liberia. There are nine people on trial right now for killing a little girl and taking all the major organs while she was alive and they killed her. 
These are educated men. These are men who have been trained at Yale, at Princeton. Why am I telling you this? So you will understand that the power of darkness is still alive and well in many parts of the world. And this is why when these people come from these pilgrimages and come back, they become very powerful men. In Guinea, West Africa, you have these educated men who are controlled by men and women who cannot read and write. And so we need to understand our worldview, what they believe in order to present the gospel. Brothers and sisters, the challenge for us as Christians, be it in the West, be it in Africa, like Philip Jenkins said, that as the church is moving south, or the global south, as they say, are we moving with our theology, or are, are we building churches with our theology? The church has become very folk in nature itself. We have syncretized everything. And this is why Muslims, especially folk Muslims, are gaining power. And that's why I want to go over these notes. So when the folk Muslim keep the five pillars of Islam, be it the Shahada, where he uses words to wear off evil, or the Salat to remove demonic pollution. Yes, they had demonic pollution. Do you know that people are still using human blood in part of uh, um, West Africa, I mean, East Africa, to protect themselves? You don't believe this. In Sudan, these things are taking place as we speak. And we want for you as pastors, you as lay worker, as Christians, spread all around the globe, especially in the southern part of where God is moving his spirit. Whether you are in China, the fear of the unknown spirit world is still there. Tibet is it's still there. Burma. All these places where you have Muslims, these are Muslims who are living in fear of the unknown spirit world. And so when they pray five times a day, the prayer is not just to Allah, but also to the ancestors, the ancestor spirits. And these things are the ones that Christian workers, especially missionaries, need to understand the power of darkness, but also know that greater is he that is in us as Christians than he that is in the world. And that's the challenge we face. Giving alms, and someday I hope there will be a course talking about the folkness of Christianity in, in Africa. Giving alms, that alone also have, have, is to wear out the evil eye. Why, why am I spending time on this? Because this is very important. Men and women today, uh, uh, these are not things I'm just reading to you or teaching you, but these I think I have witnessed with my own eyes in my own country, neighboring countries like Guinea, neighboring countries like, um, um, like Sierra Leone. Uh, some of you remember very well the war that took place in Sierra Leone, where 20,000 people were, I mean, arms were cut, amputees today in Sierra Leone. Some of these young men and women during that war, they did it that they were making him a sacrifice to their gods. Some were Muslims, and to the extent, even some were Christians. I'm sure some of you are aware of the war in uh, Rwanda, uh, in Rwanda between the Tutsi and the Hutus. And as the Hutus slaughtered the Tutsi, do you know the reason why? 
They never buried them. They threw all their bodies in the rivers. Do you know? I will tell you. They believe in the Hutu's pantheon is that if we throw the bodies into the rivers, it means that those, their spirits will not come back to attack us. And I witnessed that also in Liberia where thousands of people were killed and their bodies were just thrown in the river because their spirit, their bodies go along with the water, you know, with the river. These are the issues we are faced with. Fasting has become a ritual with dealing with evil and sickness. When people are sick, uh, like the, the story we told from the beginning of the class, uh, they don't ask the question, what caused this? Like the young African was asking this medical doctor from the West. When the medical doctor said, but no, this person was affected by mosquitoes. And the African said, tell me, who sent the mosquitoes? It might be a spirit or something. What caused it? No, that's not a question. That's not the first question that comes to mind when we speak or talk in Africa. The first question that comes to mind is, who caused it? So this is why um, I'm sure you have heard that the former president of South Africa, Tabo Mbeki, educated at Cambridge, believed that AIDS does not exist. Do you know that there are part of Africa where they believe that TB it's a sickness that people put on you. It's not something that is a disease. These are the misconstrued worldview we as Christians have to navigate through to present the gospel of Jesus Christ, to say that Jesus Christ is Lord over all of this. But let us look at some reasons for the differences in meaning. Reason for the differences in meaning. Uh, the folk Muslim sees the world through an animistic world view. What does that mean? It means that there's a God. And with God, it means that there's a middle, the unknown spirit world. And beneath that unknown spirit world, there's the spirit world. Our ancestors who have died and gone ahead, like we would say in West Africa. And so because I cannot reach God directly, believe it or not, do you know that there's a creation story in every African culture? That one day the, an African woman was pounding her food, be it plantain or cassava, depending on what she was cooking that day, and she hit the scar, and God got so angry and left. And he left us with nothing, almost like a deist. And but now we have to reach back to God. And but we cannot reach back to God because of the gulf that is between us and him. And so since my father or maybe your mother have passed away and gone to the unknown spirit world. And because of that, I am now able to contact my dead relative who in turn will contact the unknown spirit world and who in turn will contact God. So there's a desire, there's a yearning. For what? A mediator. So let us keep that in mind. They are saturated with consciousness of the spirit world. And that is everything they see is part of the spirit world. There's no distinction between like secular and spiritual. 
No, everything is blended. Uh, what Paul Heber called for the West, the excluded middle. There's no such thing as an excluded middle. Everything is, is glued together. They have, that is, they have a desire to deal with felt needs, to have God's power in daily life's problems. And there are a lot of problems. Uh, let me just give you a quick example. Take, for example, Pakistan when the flood came. They have to deal with it. Take, for example, Nigeria when, uh, when the Muslims uh, attack Christians. Those are problems. The war in, in Libya today, people, what these common Muslims are doing? Or in Sierra Leone, or in Gambia, what are some of these people doing? Problems everywhere. So they have a desire to deal with felt needs, to have gods in their daily lives. So God is part of everything. All right, sin worship in pilgrimages to tombs with veneration of uh, and festivals of sins uh, everywhere, especially in East Africa, where we live in, um, in Ethiopia. I went to Jijiga. I went to um, Hara, these places. In fact, there's a man and... I will show you that picture somewhere in our lessons as we go along, where this guy at night will put the raw meat in his mouth and feed the hyenas, and it becomes a form of miracle. Uh, the second thing we see there, to obtain blessing, again going back to Baraka, by touching holy objects, the tomb and seek intersection. Uh, again, it makes no sense to many of you here as we come to conclusion, or uh, uh, we conclude this part of our teaching. It will make no sense by touching uh, with some of you here in terms of why people will touch graves and find out that these graves will protect them. But there are holy places, holy people, holy object, holy days, holy food, holy water, holy oil. Bury the way you are buried. And all these places, these people are living in fear. Fear of the unknown spirit world. Even veneration of Muhammad to satisfy the felt need for the mediator with God, to have a word of God. But if we're looking for mediator, don't you think we as Christians have answers for them? Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for sending Jesus Christ, who is greater than everything we have discussed here because of his blood and his death on the cross and rose from the grave, today we can stand in your name and say hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.